Okay. Hello, everybody. Today is an installment again on current events. Uh, maybe I'll finish today. I'm not sure. Probably. Not. We'll certainly finish by next week, you know. Uh, you know, I really have to say, the whole point of this, you know, uh, really in many ways, because people think that Hashkof is about something that happened thousands of years ago. You know, and what relevance does it have really today? And uh, this kind of sheer affords me the opportunity to demonstrate certain ideas, which I think are really very important. First idea is, term is relevant literally up to today, period. <clears throat> Not only is Torah relevant, relevant in that sense, but uh, the reason why it's relevant, I should say, is because it, it, it has Ashkofa that explains the whole history of the Bria, of mankind. You know, so, uh, so therefore it's, it's obviously completely relevant, you know. Uh, another thing which is interesting is to show you how relevant it is that you can actually interpret current events based on the principles and the facts of Ashkofa. Um, does it mean one is always right if he interprets? Because I'm really interpreting all this. Obviously, nobody talks about this. Uh, but it's a great guess. I mean, I, you know, uh, it, it's a great way of understanding <clears throat> what could be, even if it's not, because I mentioned that uh, things change because the Jews do certain mitzvahs or various, and that may shift the whole design. And the Rabbanu also has Rachmanus, and he may shift the design. And, you know, and also somebody may do a mitzvah that will stop the whole thing, uh, you know, uh, the evil or whatever. There's so many things that can change the system. But in the end, um, if the system remains stabilized and status quo, this is where it's headed. Another thing that I want to demonstrate always with this is the hand of God, Yad Hashem. It's an incredible demonstration to show you that God has not abandoned the Jewish people. On the contrary. He is incredibly involved in Jew Jewish people. Uh, so really, you begin to see the tremendous hand of God, the Yad Hashem, it's called the Hashgokha Protus of the Ben Shalom. Uh, and again, I also want to demonstrate is the fact that, you know, we're obviously very near the end. That's what you clearly begin to see, is that we are very close to the end. Anyway, um, I want to open up the Shia with a Zoya. I don't remember if I said it or not. But it's a very important Zoya because um, it demonstrates in many ways how close we are. And today I'm going to talk about certain ideas, uh, you know. I'm going to talk about Brexit, which is obviously very important. It's a world-shattering event, British exit from the European Union, you know, and, and other things. Uh, and also what I think is going to happen basically in the next 15 years uh, until now, I've been speaking about American history and so on, uh, Trump and, and, and what, what's going on and so on. But the Zoya says something very interesting. Most people think that Tchias will happen immediately after Mashiach ben David comes, which is true. Mashiach, well, actually, the time period is Mashiach ben Yosef comes. And as we will see, he has certain specific tasks. And then Mashiach ben David arrives after him. And then as soon as he arrives, you have Tchis and Mason, which obviously is resurrection of the dead. <clears throat> but most people think that the resurrection of the dead, which will happen if the Mashiach ben Tovet comes, everybody's going to get up. It's true that people get up, but not right away. Uh, people get up in terms of a time period to adjust the amount of materialism that they've absorbed. The more gashmius, the more materialism, the more you were ab absorbed in Ilm Hazer, the longer it takes to get up. So the Zoya says, and this is a Zoya, it's a Raya Mehemna, which is uh, one of the sections of the Zoya. Uh, the Zoya says that Tchiyas Mason will take 210 years from the time of Sheikh bin Dovid comes, which is interesting. And actually there's an argument, there's one Mandiyama there that says it will take of Yehuda, it will take 214 years. That's the span of Tchisa Mason. Not immediately. So that's interesting. If we know that the world ends, remember, the reign of the Mashiach himself has to end. And the world as we know it ends in the year 6000, which is the English year 2240. 
That's it. That's the end of Ilam Hazer, basically, as we know it. And it is also the end of the Messianic era. And after that begins a period of time called Chat Chorov, which is that the world begins to dematerialize and it begins to retransform into a spiritual component of which it really is, which I had talked about, Zikoch, um, purification or retransformation of the material world. So wait a minute. So therefore, if we assume that the world will end in 2240, if you subtract at least 210 years, what year do we arrive at? 2030. Now we're in 2016. So that's only, what, 14 years to go. What's 14 years? It's like a blip on a radar screen. It's nothing. Therefore, based on this Zoya, what will happen in the next 14 years is the following. Take a look at this. One is the clash of civilizations between Yishmoel, Islam, and Edom, especially the clash between Yishmoel and the Jews, right? Then the entrance of Mashiach ben Yosef, and his tasks are to bring all the Jews back to Israel, to build the base of Mikdash. Okay, that's Kibbutz Goliath, and to build the base of Mikdash, to reveal the Orishan, the Messianic light. Okay, uh, and to also engage in the war between Goig and Mogoy, which is Goig from the land of Mogoy, and he will war against Mashiach ben Yosef. Imagine that, Mechanus Goig and Mogoy, all of this. Besamikdash, Messianic Light, uh, Kibbutz Goliath, in Gathering of the Exiles. No, wait. This is going to happen in the next 14, 14 years? Uh, that's like cataclysmic. It's astounding when you think about that. Any one of these events can blow your mind. When you add all four, it's like, what? Then, in the War of Goyd and Mogoid, then Mashiach ben David appears and wipes out Goig from the land of Mogoig and all those people that went against Israel, Jewish people. He wipes them out. And he doesn't wipe them out militarily. His mouth, with his piv, ruach piv. He just says, well, they're warring with us? Okay. Let a plague go on them. And bemo, a plague goes on them. Because in the time of Mashiach ben David, we're looking at miraculous events. Okay. Mashiach ben Yosef is really, the world will continue the way it is. When you get to Mashiach ben David already, it's a whole different scenario. Okay, part of it is it's, even though it still functions with Teva, but if Teva becomes violated in many, many ways. But one of the ways is that he can wipe out everybody, or he can wipe out whoever wars against the Jewish people. So this is Mashiach ben David, okay? So imagine if he has to come, and then you have Tresa Mesa, which will take 210 years. So take a look at all those things that have to happen next 14 years. It's like astounding. That's one of the reasons why you see this incredible acceleration of things happening today. It's like you, you see two things going on. The tremendous acceleration of many, many different uh, events. And you see an incredible descent into immorality, you know, unethical behavior, immorality, and evil. It's like, like, it's like, you know, you, you can't believe what's going on. It's like, what's his name? The Secretary of Defense came out with an announcement to two, three days ago that from now on they're accepting transgenders in the army. Is he out of his mind? What does transgenders have to do with the army? But not only that, he's demoralizing the entire army like that. An army is in the place where you're supposed to demoralize them. And then forget about gays in the army. That's the, the Havada. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, like, what is happening? And now they have, want to make bathrooms where you either male or female can use the same bathroom. I don't know if they can use it at the same time. That I'm not sure about. But that's next. But anyway, uh, it, it, you, when you look at the morality of the world, you've never seen such a, such a, a descent, such a hefkeris. I mean, the fact that the world has now permitted gays and now they celebrate and they're making a national shrine, the Stonewall uh, Bar where they started the revolution in 1969, or 68, uh, what, what's going on here? And we know that God destroyed the world, the Mabel, one of the main reasons was because of homosexuality. Shinoi Min. So the world is, is playing with God. 
they're like tempting him and daring him to destroy the world. And believe me, you don't want to tempt God. You know, he's the last being that you want to tempt. In any case, so there's a tremendous descent, you know, into the, what's called the Memteshai Tumor. It's like guarding the saying, listen, you know, you guys, I remove, it's like less din, less dying. You know, there's no judge or justice. You guys can go as far, you can descend as far down as you want, you know, because in the end of time, there has to be choshech. And you see that in, in the second Pasuk and Brashas. And the earth was unformed and void, void, empty. And there was darkness on the face of the deep. Okay? Whatever that means. Then it says, And the Spirit of God, hovers in the midst of the darkness, on the face of the waters. Then it says, let it be light. So the Balatum says that the Gematri of Ruach Lakim Rachefes, who is the Spirit of God that is hovering in the midst of the darkness on the face of the waters, right before Yehi Or, let it be light. So the, the, the Balatum says that the Gematri of Ruach Lakim Rachefes is Gematria, Zuhi Rucha Shemelech Mashiach. This is the Spirit of King Messiah. Amazing. So what do you see? Is that the Mashiach will come right before the or, right? And he will come in the midst of the darkness. So you begin to understand why it's so incredibly dark. Darkness, of course, doesn't mean the absence of light. It means there's an enormous amount of tumor, of defilement, pollution, contamination, sin, iniquity, whatever you want to call it, immorality, and so on, <coughs> and evil. These things will dominate at the end. It's like the Bansham says, listen, you know, I'm allowing you guys to do your thing. I'm not going to stop you, you know. Let's see how far you guys can go. And boy, it's unbelievable how far the world goes, you know. And, I, you know, I, just as an aside, I mean, what's going to be the greatest tragedy of all is when the Bansham comes to pay them back. I mean, you don't even want to be around to look at what the payback is going to be how they could take and destroy a world, and so on. Anyway, so therefore, this is the concept of the end. So therefore, what we begin to understand, it's incredible. If the according to the Zoyal, in 14 years, and according to the Mandi Yomer says that Tres spans 214 years, right? We're not looking at 14 years, we're looking at 10 years, which is even more frightening, <clears throat> you know? <clears throat> but you, we can see, uh, based on the Zoya how close we are really to the end, you know? And then when you add to the fact that Iran has been legally allowed, is legally allowed to build a nuclear device, yeah, it's all coming together. You, you see it, you know? And only a guy like Obama could have made that possible. In fact, that's one of the re main reasons, which I had mentioned a couple of shows before, it's one of the main reasons why Obama's president. Because only somebody crazy like him would allow the greatest sponsor of terrorism the world has ever seen to acquire a nuclear weapon. You know, it's like, it's insane. All because he wants a legacy? It, it, when you think about it, it's he has not just endangered Israel. He has endangered the entire world. Because everybody knows what those crazies are going to do. Because they all believe that the 12th Imam can only come up when the world is being destroyed. So exactly what they want to do. They are th theologically directed to destroy the world. You see, so when you took when you put all the convergences, <clears throat> when you put all the events together, you <clears throat> realize everything is converging on one point, and I mean everything: the proliferation of science, the internet as a device where a Mashiach can get on and teach the entire world. It just you can go through make so many different things about what's happening and so on, you know, <clears throat> and they're all converging at this one spot. But the most worrisome of all is the enormous proliferation, this gabrus of evil and tumor. That's what's really worrisome about this and so on, you know. Uh, but in any case, from the Zoya we see this tremendous, how close we are to the end. Very interesting Zoya, you know. In any case, fine. <clears throat> Oh, 
I want to talk about two things, and then I want to go on further, tell you what I think is going to happen. But the first thing I want to talk about is Brexit, British exit from the EU. What is that all about, really? Well, there are different levels of understanding. I'd like to cover several of them. <clears throat> Whatever happens to Britain will happen to Britain. I mean, Britain is not a slouch. I mean, Brit Britain had the entire world under... Do you know there was a time when like they said the sun never set on the British Empire? You know, that, that's how extensive their holdings were. It was, just, it was incredible. Even today, the British Commonwealth, you know, which is really Britain and Canada and Australia and a lot of places, you know, they all respect the Queen and so on, you know. Uh, did, I, did I say happy birthday to Queen Elizabeth? No. Happy birthday. Anyway, uh, imagine 90 years old. What a schuss. And she became, I think, Queen at 27. Imagine what that is. She's the longest reigning monarch in the history of Britain. Not the history of the world, but in the history of Britain with, uh, and so on, you know. Uh, but anyway, and by the way, nobody knows this, but she's really a German. She's from the House of Hanover, if I remember correctly. And that is Germanic. She doesn't tell you that because nobody wants it. And this probably goes all the way back to what's his name, William the Conqueror, <coughs> who was uh, one of the, uh, I think, uh, one of the um, Germanic kings in 1066. He, uh, he invaded England and so on, you know. But the, uh, he was a uh, Normandy, in the Normans, Norman France. You know, and Normandy was, uh, was part of Germany in those days. And he invaded the Saxons, which are England and so on and so forth. But anyway, but she's really from the House of Germany. It's, it's interesting. Anyway... Uh, but uh, uh, so Britain will they'll do fine don't forget about Obama they'll do fine uh, you know uh, but it's amazing to watch Britain uh, which is the uh, second greatest economy in Europe after, after Germany and it's the, but it's the greatest militarily Britain has a great army I mean now it does you know but um, uh, and they exited so like what does that mean so from the Poship shot I believe right that it's a tremendous oinish to Europe. The exit of Britain d severely diminishes many aspects of Europe. Because if you think about it, what, what is Europe? The real main countries in Europe are basically what? It's Germany, France, and Britain. Everybody else, who are they? I don't want to insult Italy, but, you know, but the rest of them are what? Third world. This is Spain, Greece, and then there's all the small colony, colonies, you know, uh, colonies, state, uh, countries like Holland, you know, uh, Luxembourg, right? Liechtenstein, I shouldn't forget Liechtenstein, you know, the great world power called Liechtenstein, you know, uh, and of course, the greatest world power of all is Monaco, right? Monaco is, uh, you know, and, and so on, <clears throat> but, uh, <clears throat> so it's a tremendous blow to Europe. Who? They what? The EU. Uh, they exit from the U European Union, yeah. There's 28 countries, and they exited. You know, and nobody expected that. Uh, what's his name? Um, David um, Cameron. Cameron went to sleep that night. He thought he had all sewed up. You know, of course. And he, and he really put his reputation on the line, which is interesting. He, he, was, he was a fool to do that, you know, uh, because now he has to quit because he looked so bad, he's got to get out. It's foolish to do that, but okay. Um, obviously, Bershom made him a cut. But uh, the main idea is that uh, they thought, and all of a sudden, hey, they're 4.52 million, not 52, 52% uh, exit, leave, and 48% remain, and they were killed. Okay. Uh, what does Bershom seem to be doing? Well, it's interesting that uh, this will uh, diminish the stature of Europe. You know, I mean, like I say, it, uh, you know, and I think some of the countries have already said they also want to leave. So what you're really beginning to see is the dissolution of the European Union in a certain sense. You know, if other countries leave, then that's a snowball. It's called, called a domino effect, and they're out. Why does Russia want to do that to Europe? And I believe one of the obvious reasons, it's an Einish. It's a punishment to Europe. <laughs> Europe has become a formidable anti-Semitic region of the world. It's incredible, you know, the, 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 uh, BDS. the BDS and so on and so forth. I mean, I, there's so much stuff that these guys are involved with. It's incredible how stupid people can be. They see what the Arabs are doing, you know, they take money and they never deliver to their people. 
their people are dying and they still keep giving. They gave billions to Arafat. What did Arafat do? You know, uh, he used it for himself. And they say even uh, Abbas, it's, it's a joke. Yet they don't care. They're murdic anti-Semitic. They always were anti-Semitic. So Bansham said, it seems so. I had enough. It's enough, enough, you know. I'm going to diminish your stature, right? So now who cares? What? And the Europe will say, okay, who cares? The only ones you really have to worry about in Europe really is France and, and Germany. You know, and France exit, that's over with, you know. So he's diminished the ability or the clout of the European Union, which is very interesting. And therefore, their word now against Israel will be severely diminished in terms of their clout, their power. And I believe it's a tremendous onish to Europe. Right? That's, that's the first level of perception. But the second level of perception is really what you want to hear. That's the interesting part about it. Because it doesn't involve Europe. It involves what's about to happen. So I want to talk about a very, very unusual man. His name is Vladimir Putin. I want to tell you what I think is going to happen. And what in the world is he doing at the helm of Russia? Because it's, it's a miracle, you see. Uh, Putin is a very interesting person. Okay, so the first thing to wonder is like, what's going on here? I mean, all the Russian dictators hated Jews. They hated them. From all the way from the beginning, from the czars, even before that, you know, um, they hated Jews. It's, it's, a, it's a place that's rife, saturated with Jewish blood. When you look at all the pogroms that these guys have done in Russia, it's astounding how many Jews they've killed. But besides the amount of Jews that they've killed, <clears throat> they destroyed Judaism. Most Jews are gone. Most Russians are gone. You know, okay, now it's a little different, but in them, you know, I'll never forget, I heard a story once, you know. I mean, it's, 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 it's heartening, it's disheartening. Uh, you know, but they, 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 so there was a family in Russia. This one, when you have, I forgot whether it was Brezhnev, one of those characters, you know, I mean, talking about Rishoyim Gemurim, you know. Uh, you know, but there was a family that they used to um, they used to eat on Yom Kippur, and it was a suda. They used to make a suda on Yom Kippur. Uh, you know, they invited the whole family. So you like you said, excuse me, what? You make a commemoration, a celebration on Yom Kippur. So they once asked him, well, "What's the story here?" He said, "Well, we don't remember what Yom Kippur is about, but we know from our grandparents and so on and so forth that Yom Kippur was special to the Jews." We figure a day that's special to the Jews, you probably have a meal. Right? So we made a commemorative meal. We get the whole family together and we, you know, and we eat onion kip, you know, because that's probably what it was, right? It's not what you do on a, a holiday for the Jews. Uh, could you imagine how far they were from Judaism, Yiddishkeit? It's astounding. All because of communism and all those Rishoyim that were communists. Astounding when you think about that. And this is good. At least they remembered Yom Kippur was a holiday. What about all those Jews that don't even know that Jew, that anything about Judaism? So not only did they kill Jews left and right, they destroyed their religion and so on. You know. Anyway, uh, so therefore the history of Russia really, uh, essentially, is really a history of anti-Semitism. It's really what it is. So the question is, what happened? How did they get a guy like Putin? Now, I, I want to read you. I took this uh, because uh, Zman wrote an article, Zman magazine, uh, called The Putin Enigma. So they have a very short biography. I don't know if you guys read it. You guys read it? Very interesting, you know, to read about this guy, you know. But when you begin to read it, it strikes you. I'm going to read this and quote from them, okay, what they say, and then I'm going to comment what I think is how it's part of the divine plan. Because this is so far out that it needs an explanation. And I'm always tempted by those things that need an explanation <laughs> to try to explain it. Okay, you guys with me? Now you guys can see if I know how to read. <clears throat> Crushing anti-Semitism, Putin style. That's the name of the article. Okay. <clears throat> 
Putin has ruthlessly suppressed violent forms of anti-Semitism in Russia. Incredible. To the relief of the Russian Jewish community. <clears throat> he has also made it a point to attend Jewish functions. It's not just that he's stopping anti-Semitism. He comes to Jewish functions. Right? Such as the opening of Jewish Museum and Tolerance Center in, Ma in Moscow. Right? <clears throat> to which he contributed... 50 million of state dollars of state funds. That's a commitment. <clears throat> and even symbolically donated one month of his presidential salary. Oh, you, believe what, you, you believe what this guy... What? <laughs> it's like, what? Who are we talking about here? Uh, we're talking about an Israel, a Jew lover. There he was joined by the then president of Israel, Shimon Peres, and Russia's chief rabbi, Beryl Lazar, sometimes dubbed Putin's rabbi. Imagine, Putin's rabbi. <clears throat> now, Putin, has also, Putin also attended Hanukkah celebrations and conveyed warm messages to Jews on Rosh Hashanah. Utterly unprecedented. I mean, this is incredible, right? Especially from a nationalist Russian leader. You know, it's, like, it's like Ripley's Believe It or Not. That's what it sounds like. Now, Russia and the Soviet Union have a long, sordid and bloody history of anti-Semitism. The Russian czars enacted anti-Semitic legislation, subjecting the Jews to an inferior status and forcing them to live in the pale of settlement far away from the large cities. It's obvious that's what they want, incredible anti-Semites. In fact, the word pogrom originated in Russia and refers to violent attacks by non-Jews on Jewish civilians in the Russian Empire. You know, the first known pogrom is believed to have occurred in Odessa in 1821. Some Russians blamed Jews for the assassination of Tsar Alexander II in 1881, which triggered pogroms and discriminatory May laws in 1882. Anti-Semitic laws and pogroms led many Jews to reassess life in the Russian Empire, yeah, causing more than two million to emigrate to the United States in Eretz Israel. I mean, obviously it was it's Gehenim. It was the Mamsh Gehenim in Russia. As late as 1990s, <clears throat> Jews were scapegoated as the source of Russia's economic and social problems. Well, what, what, 25 years ago? <clears throat> Several of the prominent Russian oligarchs these groups that controlled Russia, were Jewish. And angry Russian commentators and politicians made sure to emphasize that fact, obviously to promote anti-Semitism. Now, political commentator E.C. Liebler, someone who met with Soviet ministers and officials for three, three decades to promote the liberation of Soviet Jewry, wrote, this is what he writes, when the Soviet Union existed, communist Russia, I was able to appreciate firsthand the obsessive anti-Semitism underlying the Kremlin's policy toward, Jews, is toward Israel and the Jews. Obsessive means they just couldn't get it out of their mind. Now look at what he says. There are no rational explanations for Putin's extraordinary positive attitude toward Jews. There's no rational explanation for this. <clears throat> which some have gone as far as to describe as being motivated by philo-Semitism. Oh, you Israel. Right? It's astounding. According to him, there's no rational explanation. But there is. But he says it would appear. <clears throat> some say he was influenced as a youngster by his Jewish-German teacher, which we'll read about <clears throat> in a second. <clears throat> he may also be highly sophisticated and pragmatic and having seen the outcome of Soviet anti-Semitism, which was very destructive, because the Jews are always very good economically, may have come to a realization that Jewish support would represent an asset of many levels. Okay? And then it goes into the laws that Putin has passed to prevent anti-Semitism, to convict people of anti-Semitism. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's not just, you know, make sure that the Jews are not destroyed. We are talking about a guy that is actively trying to save Jews, promote Jews, and promote their religion. I mean, talking about Russia, 
You know what it's like, right? It's like the Sultan is now promoting mitzvahs. <laughs> Think about that. That's what it sounds like, right? <clears throat> Putin has also personally intervened in specific cases of anti-Semitism and so on. And he, he brings down that he intervened, intervened in a certain case uh, about against a Jewish person and he intervened. He reduced drastically the sentence that they gave him. Then, <clears throat> nevertheless, <clears throat> this pining for the Soviet past has not had a significant anti-Semitic component. In fact, anti-Semitism does not seem to be a large-scale problem in Russia today. You believe this? In recent polls, almost 60% of Russians have a good or very good attitude toward Israel, compared to less than 20% bad or very bad. <clears throat> In 2013, the Russian Jewish Congress documented only 10 anti-Semitic attacks and, 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 um, uh, and acts of vandalism compared to dozens in France. This is in Russia. I got to get to this one, right? On January 19, 2016, it's a couple of months ago. Listen to this. This is this is really funny. At a meeting in the Kremlin with the European Jewish Congress, Putin met met with the Jewish Congress. Putin expressed that in light of recent anti-Semitic attacks in Europe, European Jews should take refuge in Russia. <laughs> I mean, realize what he's saying, right? Uh, let the Jews come to us then. Putin replied upon hearing about rising European anti-Semitism, adding that, right, during the Soviet period they were leaving the country and now they should return. You know? So Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Arkush, chairman of the uh, European Jewish Community Congress, General Assembly, suggested that Putin was saying it in a lighthearted way. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. The reaction of all of us around the table was to laugh. Everybody was laughing. You know, it's like, it's like the, the fox inviting the chickens, right, into his den. This is why you guys come to leave, because everybody else is out there trying to kill you. Want to come to us? This is the fox, right? And President Putin smiled when he said it. So I think he was probably aware of the irony, you know. Arkish said, nevertheless, Arkish admitted that the offer highlights an uncomfortable truth for Europe. Putin has been far more successful in combating anti-Semitism than European leaders. It's astounding. Look, this is what's called a mapecho. This is a revolution in the Russian, Russia's attitude toward the Jews. Now, you need to understand why. President, Putin, uh, President Putin's apparently positive feeling toward Jews may have roots in some important relationships from his early life. And now you see the Hashgoch in you know. Remember I talked about uh, last week Trump, what the Bonsham did for him? He made him a billionaire, so he's not subject to any special interests and will deliver his promises. The second thing is that Trump is in real estate in New York. Right? And we know most people, not most, but a lot of people in real estate are Jews. So he has a tremendous liking and familiarity with Jews. And the third thing is his daughter Ivanka, she's from. You know, she's modern, but she's from. You know, so he clearly, and, and his son-in-law, not his son-in-law, and uh, the, the chief legal advisor to his real estate <coughs> empire is from a guy who he wants to make a liaison to Israel. I mean, you know, how the Bonsham sets this up is incredible. But look what he did for Putin. The question is why, which I will go into. <clears throat> Putin grew up in one of Leningrad's toughest neighborhoods, and his parents were not a strong presence in his life, which basically means he was abandoned. 
not literally, but you know, I mean, uh, certainly emotionally. I mean, it, you're on your own, kid. <clears throat> a religious Jewish family that lived in his apartment block in Leningrad welcomed him into their home. Isn't that interesting? And shared their meager accommodations with him so he would be less tempted to roam the streets. What a chesed. Right? They took him in. It's so they became surrogate parents. In an autobiography, Putin describes the family as observant Jews, observant Jews, who did not work on Saturdays, and the man would study the Bible and Talmud all day long. What does that sound like, you know? It's a koilin yom man. Except he wasn't a koilin, because if he went to koilin, he'd be killed, right? Uh, once I even asked him what he was muttering, and he, he, so, he explained to me what this book was, and I was immediately interested. He told him what the Gemara is. So that's one guy. Obviously, they had a tremendous influence. What shows you, Putin has a tremendous akarasatayv. Anyway, so that was one. Putin's judo coach in his youth, Anatoly Rolin, was Jewish. His judo coach. He trained Putin from ages 13 to 28. That's why Putin is a black belt in judo. And once described himself as Putin's second father. Imagine what a relationship he had with Putin. I was with him, I was with him 15 years. His mother died, his father died, I am a second father. You begin to realize what's going on here, the connection that he had to Jews. <clears throat> on Rockland's 75th birthday in May 2013, Putin presented him with a Medal of Honor for his achievements in Russian judo. You see. When he died later, that is, Rowland died, the judo teacher, Putin issued a statement that he was deeply saddened and that Rowland's death was a big, irreplaceable loss for all of us. Uh, reportedly, Putin attended the funeral and even shed tears. He's crying for a Jew. Because obviously, he, had a, he was a tremendous surrogate father to Putin. Uh, then one more. <clears throat> When Putin traveled to Israel in 2005, he paid a surprise visit to his old high school German teacher that was mentioned before, a Jewish woman named Mina Yuditskaya, Berliner. She hadn't seen him since the Shemin Aliyah in 1973. But his special visit, so he visited her, right? But his special visit proved that she had been a significant influence on his life during his formative years. Could you imagine Putin comes to Israel and the whole Knesset, I mean, there's Putin with Russia, everybody's there, a welcome committee, right? So they ask him, you know, what can we, we, like, what can we do for you? Where do you want to go? I mean, the whole government is at his beck and call, right? So he says, well, I want to visit my old German Jewish teacher in Tel Aviv, right? They, they probably would, they probably had a heart attack listening to this, right? You know? Now, during the meeting, the 94-year-old widow, this was in 2005, mentioned that she lived in a run-down apartment <coughs> in Tel Aviv's Florentine district. Listen to this. By the time Putin departed Israel, she was the owner of a new apartment in the heart of downtown Tel Aviv, <laughs> courtesy of a former student. Isn't that incredible? Wow. You know, Putin also has a circle of wealthy and influential Jewish friends. Some have been buddies since his childhood, like Arkady and Boris Rottenberg, who trained together with him on the coach Rollin, judo. They're buddies, Jewish buddies. Uh, the, the brothers stuck close to their childhood pal, Putin, right, and have benefited enormously, such as $5.5 billion in construction contracts. <laughs> they were awarded in connection with the 2014 uh, Sochi Winter Olympics. Each brother is estimated to have a net worth of around $2 billion. Not bad. Uh, what am I trying to show here? Like, it's, it's, not, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's unbelievable. It, it's unbelievable, you know? It's like the guy said, it, it's, it's like, it's irrational. He doesn't understand why Putin is, is a philo Judaism, which means an oiv Israel. And, and it says here that, he, you know, whenever they have meetings or whatever, he's always be Jewish. Uh, this guy Beryl or whatever his name is, uh, the chief rabbi, is a pal of his. I mean, it, it, he's about as close as you can get to a, a guy who's an Israel. It's astounding. 
But you see, what did the Moshe do? Now let's take a look at it at a larger scale. Why is he doing this? Not only that, you know Putin should never have been the, 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 um, the prime minister, whatever he is, right? You don't realize he was, it, was a, it was a stroke of luck, as they say. Because what happened was he was a KGB, he was in Germany for all the years. And then all of a sudden he went back and he became an important right-hand guy to Yeltsin, you see? And Yeltsin was very corrupt. I mean, Yeltsin was like, you know, forget it, right? You know? So Yeltsin knew that his time was coming to the end, right? But he was afraid that whoever's going to take over his job, which is the chief guy of the prime minister of the Soviet Union, is going to convict him. He's going to go after him. You know how much money the guy must have stolen? So he appointed Putin to be the prime minister because he knew Putin is very loyal to him, won't convict him. Believe this? So Putin got in, right? in order for Yeltsin to avoid jail time, right? That's how he got in. Once he was in, of course, he took advantage of it, right? Eliminated all his rivals and all that kind of stuff, which is usually what goes on. But why did the Bershom do that? Clearly the Bershom said, enough is enough. Russia is the Rashi Be'esav, if you remember what I said, that Esav is divided into three parts. <coughs> Russia is the Ra of Esav, that's why communism which is incredibly atheistic, can only survive 70 years, and that's the Vayivas Esav is a Bechira, and Esav despised the Bechira. That was communism, because Russia is really the Russian Orthodox Church. It's really Edom. It's really what it is. It's Christian. And he put him in the of Yisrael to make sure he connected him, he made sure that his parents, whatever, wouldn't take care of him, and as a result of that, he, he developed tremendous friends, associations with Jews who were very kind to him. And he never forgot it. Could you imagine Putin visits, he visits Israel and everybody's running after him to please him and so on. And he says, I want to see my Alta Boba, you know, my, my, my Jewish teacher friend in Tel Aviv. And then a guy pays for a real, I, I guarantee the apartment must have been deluxe in the downtown Tel Aviv. I mean, you know, you know what are curse at Taif? It's astounding. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what's going on here? Wait a minute. Russia is evil, right? But we find now that it's true that Putin is a terrible dictator. There's no question about that, right? But why is the Russian want Putin to be head of the Russian uh, government? What's going on here? You had a question? Who does that remind you of? Putin. Putin looks at the West, he couldn't care less. Took over Ukraine, Crimea, no problem. You know, he's probably got his sights on other stuff, you know. He couldn't care less. He'd rather not alienate the West, but this man defies the West, and he laughs at Obama, you know. What does that sound like? Sounds like Trump, doesn't it? The Bershom is picking him because of the same concept, the defiance. Now you, know, now you know why he learned judo. Because what is a guy, when a guy learns judo and he's a black belt, I think Putin is a fifth degree or sixth degree black belt. You don't want to mess with Putin, that's for sure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Guys who are really masters of the martial arts, boy, are they defiant. They're not afraid of anybody. You see? <clears throat> All of this is incredible hashgocha that he should have an incredible characteristic called unbelievable arrogance and defiance and also be very very intelligent that's what you see so far the question we have to ask ourselves is why that's why but there's no question that you begin to see that he is chosen for a specific mission just like Trump is he is chosen for a specific mission to defy the world why Anybody figure out? This is called Prophecy Workshop. <laughs> you know enough information to figure it out. He has to come to the aid of the of, of Oh, very good. Together with Trump, they'll destroy the Arabs. Beautiful. Exactly. If I had a medal... I pin it on both of you guys. Uh, because what the bunch, but you have to add one more thing. But you have to add one more thing. 
What's going to happen? Israel war with Iran and begin to destroy it. Basically, I believe Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, right? Uh, Hamas, all these guys are going to jump in the fray. But not only that, it'll be the last attempt of the Arabs. And who also jump in, probably, will be the Israeli Arabs, right? Now, the problem is this. We know that the Israel will be incredibly condemned. We know that. It goes on all the time. Even when Israel's right, they're always wrong, right? They're always condemned, because that's the anti-Semitism of the world. Therefore, Trump is going to aid them, which I said last week. That's why the Bunshin wants him. He will defy the world, right, America, and enable Israel to do its job, you see. But I believe that something much worse, what Israel is doing is much worse. I believe that Israel will evict the Arabs because of the enormous danger that the Arabs now present to the integrity of the Jewish state. But what's always the problem? What's the problem? The EU. The EU is one, but what's happening with the EU? They're being diminished. So Bershom is taking out the possible obstructions of Trump, right? So the EU is being diminished, correct? You see why? Not only is it an Oynish, now you understand that Bershom is removing the capacity of Europe to obstruct the resistance against the world when they begin to attack the Arabs and to defend themselves. What about the UN? That's not the UN. It's really the nations that control the UN. So the Arabs themselves are being destroyed, right? America's defending Israel. The EU is now a third-rate class. But who's always the greatest obstructions against Israel? Who? Russia. They're always the greatest. They're the ones who opposed Israel all the time. Remember the 1975 UN, right? Where they said Zionism is the same as what? Racism. Racism. That was a famous uh, statement that they said. They're the ones who came up with that stuff. So therefore, Russia is always the obstruction. So the question is, even if Trump defends Israel, right? Russia is going to go crazy. Because Russia sides usually on the side of who? Of the Arabs. You know, Iran, they did it, you know, right, right? So what happened? The Muslim says, Zogzachnis, in Yiddish, which means don't worry. I am now going to put an Oyev Yisrael in Russia. So now Russia and Trump are going to defy the world. Wow, what a partnership. Isn't that interesting? That's what you <coughs> see is happening. You really think about it. It's incredible. Because what's happening in Russia is, is unbelievable, like this guy said. It's a ra- it doesn't make sense. It never happened before. Because the Russian now is weakening the en- enemies of the Jews, right? And he's strengthening the people, the allies of the Jews. But Russia was always against, the, uh, against uh, what he called, uh, against the Jews. And not only Russia's part of the uh, Security Council. They, 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 they've always made tremendous problems. So what the Russian did is incredible. He said, just remove the enemy. How? Put a guy like Putin in. So Putin is not only an obvious world, he's a tremendous makatoiv. That's the critical. There are guys who like Israel, right? But they don't go to that extent. He's going all the way, you see. He's makatoiv and so on. $50 million to some Jewish museum. Yeah, real. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, oh, and there's another reason why. Also, why, another reason why Putin likes Israel, which he, funny he said that. Not only is he annoyed with Israel, where he protects the Jews and he gives money to the Jews, he's giving money to all kinds of organizations all over Russia to promote Judaism. In fact, he's probably the biggest Mabritz terror in Russia. You know what I'm saying? He's head of the Kirov movement in Russia. You know, but Putin said something very interesting. Putin, there is between 500 and 1 million Russians in Israel. So Putin said, hey, I got 1 million of my citizens there. Most most of these guys have passports of Russia. So I got all my people, I got to protect them. So therefore I have to protect Israel. You see, so the whole concept of a Russian, what do you call it, uh, immigration to Israel, was to again solidify Putin's uh, uh, connection to Israel, the Jewish state, because now Israel has become a Russian satellite. Interesting.
he's also Russia's been directly um, in conflict with the Arabs because of their oil. Yeah. Yes. Who? Russia. Yeah. Because of the competition with the Arabs. The Arabs are desperate to sell oil now. Yeah, well, the, uh, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, but w what I'm saying is, therefore, what the bunch of see the bunch of is weakening the enemies of the Jews. <clears throat> because it's not just, I believe, it's not that, that the Jews will destroy, the, will really war against the Arabs and really wipe them out. The problem is also that I believe they, go, they, they try to evict the Arabs. Nobody, the world will not stand for that, you see. So therefore, if Russia and the U.S. stand with the Jews and the Europe is now severely diminished, it'll work. But it's incredible to see the chess pieces going on here. I mean, you have to appreciate this chess game, you know, where you, you see what the Bunsham is doing in order to, something that will occur many years from now, many, many years, whatever that means, you know, and um, what the Bunsham is doing... Putin's a lot closer to evicting the Arabs than the Israeli cabinet is. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Does the Orient have anything to do with any of this? The Orient is who? Like China, Japan. Well, Korea. Israel is forming close ties with Japan and even China. Even if they're not at the top, they're still Because once, look, once you, uh, once you're connected with a country economically, then that's much less incentive for the country to go against you. And Israel has now turned, because Obama is terrible, yeah. so Israel has now turned. You know, they're incredible friends with, what's his name, in India. What's the guy's name again? The, the head of India. He's, a, he, he's, he's an Oyev Israel also. You know why? It's, it, it's amazing, because there was a time that he, he used to be the head of a uh, province in India. And I forgot exactly why, but people were against him. And Israel supported him. They were behind him. Uh, in terms of whatever he was doing, you know, and he never forgot that. <coughs> so now he's completely, I forgot his name, well, come on, come on, you guys, what's his name? The Indian Prime Minister. Okay. Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Goldberg. Goldstein, Goldberg, Weiss, it's all the same, right? Um, so therefore, India is in love with, uh, with Israel. They want to really do things together. I think he's, they're forming real contacts now with Japan and, uh, and, uh, and uh, China and so on, so, which is very important. So they also will be much more inclined to be with, with Israel. But we see the entire chess game being set up so that in the future, things will miraculously happen where Israel will be protected. And the U.S. So, has a uh, very important position filled by Israeli, right? Dana. The who? In the U.N. The what? There's an Israeli, Dana, was a very important position. Oh, Danny Danan. Danan yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he, he, of course he's, he's for Israel, I mean, you know. Well, but it, but he's... saying that the U.N. was, was always very... Uh, anti. Is, uh, anti. Is what, now for? No, has this, gave his position over to... Uh, Oh, yeah, he, he got an official position, yeah, which is unusual, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it, what, what's also interesting, you have to remember also, is Israel is expert in certain technologies that the world needs. They are experts in water conservation, agriculture. In the world, the world is, you know, there's no water in California. You know, there's no, many, many places are suffering tremendous droughts, you know, and Israel is an expert in conservation of water, agricultural growth. They've revolutionized agriculture in many ways. They just, uh, and so on. So therefore, the world needs them. And not only that, then you have Israel is now about, now about to become one of the greatest gas exporters. The Leviathan fields, Tamar fields, and I heard that they discovered oil under uh, Golan. I mean, Israel is going to be up there in oil and gas and all that, and everybody's going to, once you need somebody economically, then of course you're not going to go against them. You know, why would you do that? You see? But you see, clearly... And what's into also, I mentioned Saudi Arabia. I told you in six years, Saudi Arabia is about to go down in oil, which is incredible. That's why Saudi economy, the Saudi economy is now trying to specialize in many areas outside of oil because they realize the handwriting's on the wall, you know, and so on. So you clearly <coughs> see the fall of Yishmael, the rise of Israel, 
and the ultimate uh, rise where Israel will, of course, war with Ishmael. How does that work with the rise of Edom? What was that? Explaining the rise of Edom as well. Correct. <laughs> yes. So what is your question? What happens then? What happens with the rise of Edom? Yeah, the left is, the left is declined so against the new powerhouse Edom. No, nope. no, Edom won't be that. Right that. Now, you're just saying Trump and America, America make America great again, and Putin is making so, Russia great again. So what's your question? So now you have Edom back into a powerhouse. You're yes, a you're not, but you're not asking a question. You mean why? They can destroy the Arabs, but then Edom starts becoming Edom again. Like who they really are to persecute Christ? No, they won't because this is the Toiv. These are the guys who love Israel. So that's it? Adam's finished? No, they're not There's no finished. With Adam? No, not really. No. Okay. Not with the Toiv Shabbat So who's the battle with? Europe. But it's not a real battle, because the real heat of the battle was absorbed in World War II. But I thought you were going to ask a different question. you got to ask this question. We know that we see Europe is becoming incredibly anti-Semitic. That we know. And even Britain can't stop it. I mean, Arabs all over the place, you know. So even if they're not because of, you know, the Arab nations, you got, they want to call them lone wolves, whatever it is, right? You have these kind of guys, you know. And therefore, Europe is, is becoming a tremendously threatening place for Israel. I mean, for Jews in the, their countries. And this is pushing the Jews out, right? That's going to cause, cause, I mean, in France, they're already to leave. You know, as it gets worse, and it will get worse, because these guys multiply like rabbits, the Arabs. You know what I'm saying? And so therefore, I mean, forget about it. Then they're going to take political power, the Arabs. You know, the people are going to go with them because they want the votes of the Arabs and so on. So I can understand how the Jews in Europe will go to Eretz Israel. But how the Jews in America are going to go to Eretz Israel if America becomes great? And Tov, what's going to motivate them? I thought you'd ask that question. I would assume that at one point, I assume that at one point, they're going to realize America is not safe for Jews. No, it's not true. I don't believe that's going to happen. Where, where is the termination of Amalek? And the Allah of Esau saying this Okay. It can be Tayyip Shabbat and it's the of saying this Fine, but Sainé and Sainé. America was good to the Jews for how many hundreds of years? Where was the sinner? You know? There's, the Tayyip Shabbat does not hate Europe and Russia, when it was under the former Soviet Union, that was the Sina Yaakov. But the Tov Shebeisov is Tov Shebeisov. It doesn't have that Sina. But it does, it's Tov Shebeisov, you know, which means it has a certain amount of, let's say, indifference, but it doesn't hate them. You see? So the question is... They get us by giving us democracy. Whatever. But the Tov Shebeisov doesn't have the sinner that the other parts of Esav have. There are differences. Anyway, so the question is what will happen or how will the people in America, why will they leave for Israel or, and so on if it's, um, it's really good? That's, that's really the question. Because that's Kibbutz Goliath. That, that, that's going to be spurred because of uh, Mashiach. Well, that's, that's what... Well, okay. That's what I'm going to talk about next week. And where does Mashiach The end of time. What? Where does Mashiach Benyezah come in? Where does when he come in? Trump and, and, and Putin are killing the... Oh, and I tell you, I once told you, right? What's the gematria of Mashiach uh, of, of Trump? I told you that, right? Yeah, I told you why. Because he will be part of the assisting of the Mashiach to come this way. And what about Mashiach Right? Where is he? Next week. Next week, I go into really Mashiach ben Yosef, the whole concept of what I think is going to happen in the next 15 years. Or who's going and what's going to happen in the next 15 years. That's all. So next week will probably be, I'll wrap up the whole current events. Wow, five shurim. Interesting to watch the chess game. Any questions? So where is the destruction of Amalek? We still need to have the final destruction of Amalek, you no? Know? Yes, we do. So who is that? That's Goy Gamogoy. But who, who is the Amalek? Who is the, who is the rational? We said that but Russia is the rational, rational Adam, and now they're becoming Tug. So we're... Oh, you mean, well, 
Well, we'll talk about it next week. Okay. Who that could be. But the main idea is uh, what's going to, what, what, after you put these things together, what happens next? And uh, there's, some, there's, there's something very important that's coming up, which I have not mentioned, <coughs> which we'll talk about next week. And that sort of like brings everything together. Okay? Okay, thank you very much.